Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He went nuts on me. This is a good Denzel story. As an actor, you have to be tough, right? We're talking about these circumstances, these hours, these environments that you're in. You have to have a thick skin to deal with Hollywood, right? In a number of different ways. You got to be tough or you just can't hang. And so this good Denzel story, and I love the guy. So, you know, we know he's a big personality. And one of the scenes at the end of the episode, and I have to go apologize to this man who beat me up, right? And so Meredith was really hesitant and reluctant, right? Like my jaw was broken and I I couldn't bring myself to go hear the apology from this character. And this man woke up and felt terrible about what he had done, right? But after what I had been through and all Meredith's been through, she was just at the point where she just wasn't having it. I don't care that he wants to apologize. I don't want to go hear him. However, I think Richard, Jim Pickens' character, convinces me that going to hear his apology is the right thing to do. So Meredith does it reluctantly. So I get pushed up in the wheelchair And he's in a chair and we're sitting across from each other. And I didn't really want to talk to this actor or see this actor before we did this scene. So I didn't have much interaction with him at all. And then he apologized to me, but he was doing it really softly. He made this choice to speak very softly. And I was pissed that I had to sit there and listen to this apology. And he wasn't looking at me in the eye. Again, we love actors who make choices, right? And I yelled at him and I was like, look at me. When you apologize, look at me. And that wasn't in the dialogue. And Denzel went ham on my ass. He was like, I'm the director. Don't you tell him what to do. And I was like, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? Like, you barely know where the bathroom is. And like, you know, I have the utmost respect for him as an actor, as a director, as everything. But like, yo, we went at it one day. And then his wife came to set to visit. And I was like, I was not talking to him. I was mad at him. 
And I told his wife, I was like, yeah, he yelled at me today. Yeah, he let me have it today. And I'm not okay with him. And I'm not looking at him. And I'm not talking to him. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Hopefully you guys are doing well. I know Mercury is back in Gatorade and I just hope that none of you guys are victims of that. I am like from the existential point, I'm just like standing in the corner and hoping that I'm not getting noticed because listen, Loki, your girl's got some things going on in the back in the back burner and she needs them to happen. Okay, so miss me. Mercury, you can miss me if if it's not coming with any good stuff. Um, Obviously, we usually start off these episodes with our girl of the week. And here's the thing. There's an unofficial one and an official one. We're going to start off with the unofficial one. And here's why it's going to be unofficial, right? This is like off the record as much as something that I'm recording on a podcast can be. Um Operation Get Kara SNL tickets is still in full swing. We're actually at the 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 finish line. We're at the final countdown. Um, the episode where Kim's going to be hosting is October 9th. So again, hear my cry. Anybody out there in the universe, if you can get me a ticket to dress rehearsal or the live show, I would be so grateful. I'm going to, if I can't do it, just like stand out and I don't know, like try try and do something but i i need help y'all i still need help so (laughs) um here's why it's unofficial we're gonna be talking about kylie swim okay if y'all haven't seen this uh here it goes so kylie jenner decided to drop a swim care her first swimwear line um in september after like distinctly after summer uh and that was when my the hairs on the back of my neck went up a little bit, I thought, hmm, something about this is, doesn't sound right. But, like, I'm going to let you cook, girl, because, Kylie, I do find you interesting. I love your little daughter, Stormy. is like, the cutest possible thing I could possibly ever even imagine. So, and, I, and I'm thrilled for the new baby, whatever child this might be. Okay, um... But people had some complaints, y'all. If you guys just mosey on over to TikTok, you will see a bunch of criticisms of Kylie Swim. Everything from the stitching being poor, uh, the seams not really lining up, there being no lining on the swimwear. I've never seen something like that. A bikini line with no lining. Is they're not double lined. There's not a cover. It, they're very interesting. Now, here's the thing for me. I mean, not me because I didn't say this, right? Um, here's the thing for for someone is that I don't typically get into like a celebrity line, and this is no shade. Like it's just like because I'm cheap and I just like Old Navy. Um, but what I know, I know a decent amount about fashion for somebody who's not in the fashion world. Um, what I do know is that what I've been seeing in trends with celebrity fashion lines is that obviously the idea is for you to 
wear clothes or, you know, have um, access to things that you see your favorite celebrity wear. You want to wear what they're wearing. You want to have that same vibe. I get that. That's the pull, right? You like their style. And so you want to have it at a better price point. Um, But here's the problem is that when you buy I mean, everybody in Hollywood's got a body that they bought in some respect, unless you're Megan Thee Stallion, you know, things, things are happening. Doctors appointments are being made. Right. And I get that. Uh, the problem with Kylie swim is that the designer or the person whose name is on the labels has a very specific body. A body that doesn't often come by nature, right? And so when you see these clothes on that person, first of all, we know that the Kardashian and Jenners will tailor the fuck out of their clothes and they have every right to do that, right? But when you see Kylie and you say, oh, here she is in a bikini that looks really cute. Do you have Kylie's body? You know? We really got to take that into consideration because what look good, what looks good on her, even if you have the most banging, banging body, you don't have her body because she doesn't have her body. You know what I mean? Um, so whew, somebody made a joke and this genuinely was not me that, <laughs> that, uh, looked like maybe Stormy had gotten into the warehouse and was doing some sewing on her own. Um, and those were the products that they were getting. Um, there was a great, I believe she was a Brazilian uh, swimwear designer. And I, if I find it, I will link the her TikToks in the description of this episode. But she compared the shade. And I don't even think she meant to be this shady, but the shade was caught by me. Or not me, because I didn't see this, and I, I'm not saying anything. Um, this designer compared her line to Kylie's and also to a bikini that she bought from Shein because apparently Shein had taken her original designs from a prior bikini and had uh, recreated it. Right. So to me, the shade was like that Shein, like her product was the best because she had like done the work of double lining these. It was like nice, thick material. You could see it was durable and like really high quality. And then we get to the Shein, which is like a mid grade comparatively to Kylie's Kylie's was the bottom tier product. And you could see, you could see that the Shein swimwear bikini was like significantly better in quality than Kylie's. And that's embarrassing, baby. That's not a good look, right? It just felt to other people, not me, that this line seemed very like haphazard and rushed and also kind of not inclusive. And uh, do we have to have everything be inclusive? Yeah. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. There has to be some sense of inclusion, you know? And I noticed that on the Kylie Swim Instagram, or somebody noticed, not me, on the Kylie Swim Instagram, that there were very few plus size models featured on the page. And when they were, their stomachs were all being hidden. Now, this is swimwear. 
So bodies be showing, right? Uh, so to not really get to see that full scope of like what it would look at, like on several different bodies, I think was, or somebody thinks it was really unfair. Um, I will say now I'm jumping in that I kind of was surprised by the price point in that, that I thought it would be, it would have been much more expensive. It seemed like the highest price was a bikini that was $85. You know, it's not cheap. I'm just saying I'm surprised that it was only $80 given the, y'all know what I mean. Um, Um, I also will say that they, somebody on TikTok said that the packaging that they got was like low waist packaging, which, you know, shout out to you for that girl. The packaging looked really cute. They came in like these yellow boxes and the bikinis themselves and the sarongs or swimwear became in these like little plastic kind of baggies. Um, you know, some people looked really good in them. So like, I'm not even going to hold y'all. And the people who looked bad, it wasn't that they looked bad bad they looked bad it was that the items were poor quality um having only an inch and a half of fabric to cover your little kitty cat is wild something that i've noticed over the years and years of of having to like go over all of this family's instagram is that these women will have you believe that they have the tiniest little vaginas. Like, like you've never seen a a smaller vagina than on this family. I don't know what this is, but like, y'all, they need to know that like, that's not, that's y'all. That's not everybody. Okay. (laughs) I saw like very, and it has nothing to do with weight because I saw real tiny girls trying on this stuff and being like, girl, I cannot, like, I can't even show you what's going on below because this video is going to get flagged. Like it was, listen, like you got to be lasered wax, not a, a, even a stubble because you will see that. Right. Um, what else? Yeah, that's it. I mean, mm, this is not a good look for Kylie. Really not a good look. And especially like when you compare it to, the other lines within that family. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard from people of all shapes and sizes who have bought Skims, Kim's Kardashian's line of shape, not shapewear, but well, yeah, shapewear and, and like athleisure um, saying that like, and, and I'm talking like women who don't care about Kim Kardashian, who did not buy this stuff because they like her, who said like, this is high quality I'm kind of mad that I even have to give her props, but like this shit bumps and I love skims. So to be out here in these streets with like terrible quality stuff, when there's somebody in your family who's making high quality stuff intentionally, um, that are, is inclusive and is for all bodies and that women are buying and they're feeling really good about Uh, that's a bad look. And also, why did she drop this shit in September? Why? Mm. Um, the, honestly, consistently across the board of the TikToks that I saw, or that somebody saw, um, that they did like the product. I, I did think that the swim, the swim, why am I, (laughs) 
I do think that the swimsuits are really nice. The, I love the color scheme of the like sunset, the red and orange and yellow. I thought it was really cute. And it did seem to be flattering for all skin tones. Um, but the highest compliment that I saw, and this was like a lot of people, were women saying that it's really cute. They like it or they wanted to like it. But they could not imagine actually going into a pool or even like just even getting flicked with some water um, because you would see everything. Okay, it would be Nip City population you. So the highest compliment I was like, well, I maybe I can take pictures in this. But like, (laughs) do you want to pay $80 to take a picture and, and never wear it out and never have anybody see it? I guess some people do. I imagine like like a Brielle Bierman Kim Zolciak probably do that all the time because they don't leave their houses. But the average person, I think, is not out here buying $80 bathing suits just to take a picture and never wear it again. You know? I don't know. Anyway, y'all didn't hear that from me. Y'all heard that from somebody else. And Kim, if you're listening, I would still like tickets. Thank you. All right, moving on to our official girl, and that is Ellen Pompeo. Now, I'm not like other girls i've never seen no i will take that back i have seen one episode of Grey's anatomy out of the seven thousand that are available and i it was the episode in which i believe meredith or maybe it was uh katherine heigl's character has sex with a ghost and i said no thank you i'm out i tried i've seen <laughs> i've seen all that i needed to see no immediately no you know, so I don't really know a whole lot about Ellen, except for occasionally what will happen on Twitter is that she'll go viral for like speaking out for black people or getting in fights with people or telling people to meet her on Slauson and Crenshaw or whatever the fuck. Um, so she has a podcast and then I'm not going to name it. You can find it, um, in which she tells what she thinks is a delightful little anecdote about uh, life on set with uh, Denzel Washington. So apparently back in 2016, Denzel signed on to Grey's Anatomy to direct a few episodes. And there was a scene in which uh, Ellen's character, Meredith, had been abused, battered in some way, beaten up. And the scene that she's referring to is that in the aftermath, she was going to meet up with this person who beat her so that he could apologize. So they're filming the scene and apparently they're both sitting in wheelchairs or something. And they're, you know, the guy's talking to her and and saying his apology, but this actor is not looking her in the face. And also he's being very soft-spoken in his apology. That was like the acting choice that he made. So Ellen yells at him, like, look me in the eye. Like, when you apologize to me, look at me. This was an off-script line that she added, you know, in the moment. So Denzel says cut, and he says, listen, I'm the director. Don't tell the other actor what to do. Um, Don't be adding lines, whatever. And so her response was, I was like, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? Like, you barely know where the bathroom is. Now, you heard the clip, and I think you guys heard what I saw. 
heard what I heard, which was that she's telling this story in a very distinct, her normal voice. And then when she starts telling how she responded or what she said to Denzel, it's a different voice. It's a, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. She she added something to that voice that didn't need it to be added, if y'all are catching my drift, right? So then she goes on to say that Denzel's wife showed up that same day, and she went up to his wife and was like, oh, I'm mad at you, and blah, blah, blah. So she describes Denzel's reaction to her as, like, going ham, like, he really, like, went the fuck off on her, um, and that she, like, they went toe-to-toe. Now, she goes on to say that, like, she has the utmost respect for him, she loves him, whatever, and how it's just, like, you know, actors on set, like, they're just passionate or whatever. Okay, now... I can understand that. I'm sure there are plenty of moments where you don't uh, you don't agree with the director. The director doesn't agree with you. Fights happen. Arguments happen. Totally understandable. But the disrespect of saying like you don't belong here. This is mine. Is where. I'm getting fucked up. Now, regardless of whether or not he was a guest director, he's still in the hierarchy of things above you because if we, you know, there there needs to be a direction. That's the point, right? Um, also, Denzel is like one of the top five most well-respected actors of all time. So like maybe we could give a little bit of reverence to that. It's the, like, knee-jerk reaction of, like, all of this is mine and you don't know anything and you don't belong here for me. You know what I mean? And the thing that makes it go from worse to worser is the fact that Ellen herself admitted that the reason why Denzel was hired for the show was because she was threatening to leave. And so Denzel was hired to appease her in order to keep her to stay. So Denzel was hired through Debbie Allen, who's also produced a bunch or not directed a bunch of episodes. Um, So he was doing you a favor. It was what it sounds like. And this is how you treated him. I really hope that she addresses this. And here's the thing. (sighs) There's this like, middle line of white women who think that they're doing right and do very wrong as we saw if you watch the season of real housewives of new york heather holla thompson was brought back and she was a good representative of this woman the well-meaning white woman the woman who has black friends who has like gone to a cookout or has been in black spaces and they're sort of woke but also they feel like their proximity to black people gives them some sort of power or a a shield a guard and um you know allows them to say things because they think that they are above the quote-unquote like other white people because in ellen's case uh she has a black husband and she has biracial children now 
she has had a history of using her black husband and her biracial children as this like, oh, well, like, I know what I'm talking about, or I'm more woke than you guys or whatever. And that to me is like, the most dangerous and the most disgusting thing that you can do. Like, I personally would almost rather somebody just be, like, out-and-out racist than be this, like, weird, like, I feel entitled to um, speak on the Black experience or or I can't possibly be racist because I'm fucking a Black guy, right? You know? Like, that's way more disgusting. <laughs> like, like, if you're going to stand in it, stand in it. But, like, we all have learning to do. We are all continuously growing, all of us, all the time, myself included, all the time. You don't like, you're not black by injection. Okay. <laughs> and this is not like a pass. This isn't like, oh, I married the black guy. Okay, well, I'm done now. I've learned everything that I could learn. So I really hope that this is a learning experience for Ellen. I don't watch any of her shit anyway, so it's not really going to affect me, but um, it is going to affect the children that she's raising. So for them, I hope she does better. Have you guys read this GQ article that Will Smith did um, an interview for the November issue? It it was a lot, y'all. <laughs> it was a lot. I will say, like, it was pretty interesting. The bulk of the article was about his new projects that were coming up, his memoir that's about to come in November, his career and, and what life is like for him now and you know all of that was really interesting i i find will to be like a fascinating i think that's a bridge too far (laughs) but i always found him to be like an interesting guy and i think i like the way he speaks about his life i think it's very interesting and he has sort of like a storyteller kind of vibe to him but i'm not like the biggest will smith fan on the planet like i don't know what action movies are I don't care I don't want to see them so like largely I haven't seen most of his movies clearly I was a huge Fresh Prince fan but the obviously uh headline grabbing parts of this article were about his relationship with Jada and this shit is dark y'all this shit is dark so you know, he gets into their relationship, their um, <clears throat> situation. Now, I don't want anybody to think that, like, I'm so pro-monogamy and that I just believe that that's the only way to have a successful relationship. Is, you know, opening up to other people for me? No. But it's not for everybody. And I mean, it, it it is for some people and that's totally fine. So like, don't think that I'm shading the fact that they are like out here dating and fucking other people. I don't care. I, I honestly don't care. But the way that they speak, well, the, the way the will was speaking about his relationship just makes me feel like it, it, I feel tired. I felt exhausted (laughs) reading this article. Um, So he starts to talk about it by discussing um, their situation, right? So he says that he went to this intimacy coach named Michaela Bohm, and he was working with her for years. And finally, one day he confesses that, If he could have anything in the world, he would want a harem of girlfriends. Okay? 
So then she asks him specifically, who are you talking about? So he said, you know, like uh, Halle Berry, ballerina Misty Copeland. And for the rest of that session, the two of them, Michaela and, and Will, went out and like searched research specific women who could round out this quote aspirational harem. The plan was then to begin contacting those women. Will says, I don't know where I saw it or some shit as a teenager, but the idea of traveling with 20 women that I loved and took care of and all that, it seemed like a really great idea. And then after we played it out a little bit, I was like, that would be horrific. That would be horrific. I was like, can you imagine how miserable what she was doing was essentially cleaning out my mind, letting it know that it was okay to be me, to be who I was. And it was okay to think Hallie's fine. It doesn't make me a bad person that I'm married and I think Halle Berry's beautiful. Whereas in my mind, in my Christian upbringing, even my thoughts were sins. That was really the process that Michaela worked me through, was to let me realize that my thoughts were not sins and even acting on an impure thought didn't make me a piece of shit. Then he starts to talk about all of these sacrifices that Jada had to make in order to maintain being in this relationship, like how she didn't want to have a traditional wedding ceremony. We all know that Jada's a little woo woo again, no shade, but like we just know that she's, she doesn't really walk the line of the traditional, right? So she didn't want a traditional we a wedding ceremony, but will pressured her into it. And he says, this would be the first of many compromises that Jada would make over the years that painfully negated her own values. Years later, Will persuaded her to move into a massive 256 acre compound that she was dead set against purchasing. And he says, nothing good comes from spending your hard earned money on a family home that your wife doesn't want. You're putting a down payment on discord. And for years, we will be paying off that mortgage of misery or worse. Yikes. <laughs> yikes and then he goes on to say the article says the harsh reality for those who love a dreamer is that everything comes second to the dream as miss stardom grew his wife would wake up many mornings in tears at one point, she turned down an opportunity for her band to open for Guns N' Roses so that Smith could finish uh, shooting The Pursuit of Happiness. And then things reached a breaking point by Jada's 40th birthday in 2011. Will had spent three years planning a private family and friends dinner in Santa Fe, where he screened a documentary that he'd commissioned that chronicled her life and traced her family's lineage, lineage back to slavery, and in which he tracked down a descendant of the white family who once owned Jada's ancestors. When they got back to the hotel suite that night, Jada was nearly silent. That was the most disgusting display of ego I've ever seen in my life. Smith recalls his wife telling him. The two began fighting so loudly that a 10-year-old Willow, with whom they were sharing the suite, emerged crying with her hands over her ears, begging them to stop. Our marriage wasn't working. We can no longer pretend. We were both miserable, and clearly something had to change. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So from what I gather, Will and Jada were probably (laughs) monogamous up to this point. And at that point, they started opening up their marriage. Um, He says that there were significant endless discussions about what is relational perfection? What is the perfect way to interact as a couple? And for the large part of our relationship, monogamy was what we chose, not thinking of monogamy as the only relational perfection. Um, so it just sounds like Jada had to make a ton of sacrifices, both in her personal life and her career for Will's in order for Will's star to rise that she, you know, that he was, um, going through that trajectory of like a very top high earning actor and she was just there as support even though she had all these gifts herself and it sounds really sad like I understand that in a marriage especially in a marriage as long as theirs then years go by and there are going to be times where never things are never going to be 50 50 right like ever pretty much never (laughs) there's always going to be one partner who needs more emotionally or they need you to be there or they're working and you need to be with the kids and you're doing things that you don't want to do necessarily for your partner like I understand that but it sounds like this was the beginning like the first 20 or 10 something 10 plus years of their relationship and it just got to the point where even though I think you could look at this like oh he did this he worked for three years to do this for her, I could definitely understand how Jada would come out of that situation thinking how, like, why would you, like, you're really patting yourself on the back for this, right? Like, all of this is just a show to show how great you are. I, I definitely, definitely see that happening. Um, Here's what I found interesting. Like, we all know that their relationship was open, that they've been seeing people. It's been this, like, extremely open secret. They haven't really gotten into the details until last year, last summer, when Will and Jada went to the red table, 
right? Because there was some healing that needed to happen. <laughs> so obviously we all know that like this started off with August Alsina saying in an interview for promo for his album last year that they were in a relationship. He had a conversation with Will. Will gave his blessing um, and that everything was cool. Now they went to the red table and said that there was no real conversation about Will giving his blessing to date Jada, that it was more of they at that point were like amicably separated and, you know, he just wanted to, you know, make sure everything was above board and, and didn't want to come into the situation being like the other man. Right. Cause they were basically broken up. Um, so, after her relationship with August is when they they made up, but also it seems like decided that they couldn't be monogamous with one another and they opened up their relationship. So in the interview, he says that Will, quote, delicately explained to him that Jada wasn't the only one engaging in sexual relationships. I, I don't think people thought that. I don't think people thought that at all. He also explained, you guys remember that meme that came after because Will at the red table looked like just exhausted and sad and run down. He says that it wasn't, he wasn't upset. He was tired that they were filming that at midnight. They were about to go on vacation the next day. He was just exhausted. But yeah, I mean, he said like, you know, I think a lot of people assumed that Jada was the only one who was out here in these streets and she wasn't, but I don't think people thought that. I think people thought they were both out here, right? Anyway. Um, so now we know for a fact that both of them are out here in these streets. However, when it comes, when it came to him being more forthright and open about what he was participating in, he didn't really want to talk about it. And then the writer, Wesley Lowry, says that a, week, a few weeks later after the interview, um, Will reach out to him and says, it may seem hard to believe, but I would lose sleep over not being able to give you the answer that I know you could use with regard to what he's been up to. Then he goes on to say, I want to help you. I want you to succeed. I want you to have a headline. But, at, but by that same token, I don't want to deal with the backlash of that in the world. Now, I understand that it was, no, it really, Jada kind of made the choice to talk about this. And, and that was her decision, I guess, even though it came as a result of August outing her. Um, but then to say, like, I don't want to deal with the backlash of you and what you've been doing feels really unfair, right? Like, if you're, I don't like it when people say everything and say nothing, you know what I mean? Like you're admitting it, but you're not really telling the truth of what it is that you've do done. And like, thank you for saying people might think that it's just Jada, but it was also me. But then it's like, you're not even, you know, <laughs> you know, it just, it just really seems unfair. Um, oh, I don't know. This relationship does not sound fun. <laughs> this does not sound like a fun situation for either one of them allegedly they're happy now. I, ooh, I don't know. And the more I think about this birthday party thing, I'm like starting to get pissed off for Jada too. <laughs> like, do would you want to meet like the white descendant of your, your ancestor and slave owners on your birthday on your 40th birthday dog? What? 
no thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, y'all, the rest of the episode is, uh, you know, we're now that we're in spooky season, I had to talk about something incredibly cursed. So it is a <laughs> recap of episode one of the Peacock docuseries uh, that Demi Lovato did about aliens. Y'all check it out. So if there's like the missing time and they don't remember what happened, how do they know that they were abducted? Most people that are abducted go through regressive hypnotherapy, where essentially you get in a relaxed state and they help you recall these sorts of memories. Now, here's the thing is Sarah was under some sort of like telepathic control of these beings, whereas Jan was fighting them. She did not want to have anything to do with it until there was a moment that a, like peace settled. Mm. over the group just peace and they were lifted up into sort of a saturn shaped ufo into the sky where medical experiments took place on board the ship then they were returned to the cabin and told to forget about the whole thing but they didn't forget they were through the regressive hypnotherapy they right remembered there. all of that they brought it right back Hi, you guys. In honor of spooky season, I did something probably nobody else has done because honestly, like, I think I'm one of 15 people that have Peacock. And also, like, I don't know why anybody would have watched this. But if you didn't know, Demi Lovato has a four-part comedy series called Unidentified with Demi Lovato. Now, I'm saying it's a comedy series because I laughed the whole time. I don't think that that's what Demi's intention was. But... I hee-heed and I ha-ha'd and I tee-hee-heed my whole way through that 40-minute um, episode one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what did I watch, you guys? Woo! Before we get started, I just want to, of course, like, I'm about to shade the fuck out of Demi, but what I'm not about to do is disrespect them. I know that they um, are non-binary and they use they, them pronouns. However, I'm just, like, terrified that at some point I'm gonna say she, her. So, forgive me, it's never my intention to misgender somebody. With that being said, let's get on with the circus. So... The series starts off with Demi saying, I'm Demi Lovato, singer, activist, and UFO experiencer. So this four-part series is a journey through... I don't don't even know how to describe it. I'm just going to have to tell you what happens in episode one. So Demi is on the show with uh, their best friend, Matt, and their sister, Dallas. So... If you guys watch Demi's YouTube series, you guys remember Matt. He is has been a longtime friend. I think maybe the only guy friend mentioned in the series. If you watch it, you'll recognize this guy. Um, so the story goes, is that one night, Demi was in Joshua Tree. She's with some friends. And this was October of 2020. And they filmed a UFO on their video, um, on their video, on their phone. (laughs) So there was like, you would see, I I guess they posted this on Instagram. So I'm sure you can go back and look at it, but you can see there's like a little dot in the sky where it's moving in ways that are definitely odd, not something that would be reminiscent of a normal flight pattern of a normal airplane. Right. So 
they decide to go to the experts. And by that, I mean, they go on Kesha's podcast. (laughs) Um, It seems like the qualifications for talking to and reaching out to Kesha was that Kesha likes aliens and has a, a tattoo of a little spaceship on her forearm. So that's what we're working with. So we see footage of Demi and Kesha talking and apparently it wasn't just a dot, that thing in the sky that they saw, but in Joshua Tree, but they also encountered this blue orb that Demi says was about 20 to 30 feet away from them. And that every time they would try to move towards that light, it would move backwards. So, okay. (laughs) If that's not all, the story does not end there. So Demi goes to bed and it appears that these aliens were like catching the vibe, wanted to invite Demi to the extraterrestrial cookout. They came to Demi's room and were like, hey, do you want to go back to our planet? And Demi was like, hell yeah. So according to Demi, they got stuck, sucked out of their room and they were floating above Earth, just like watching us sleep, eat, and shit, and and live our lives, right? Demi says that they're not sure if this was just some sort of astral projection or just a very intense dream, but they're going to figure it out. Are you, Demi? I don't know. (laughs) So Matthew and Dallas don't believe that this happened. They're complete non-believers. Matthew says that he thinks it may have just been an elaborate dream that Demi had. So the premise of the show is for these three to go through the journey walk through the fire and Demi is going to convince Matthew and Dallas that this did in fact happen to them. (sighs) Lord. So the three take off on this journey. Demi hires an RV puts Demi's. We need to talk about Demi's outfits because (sighs) this outfit in particular is like a, (sighs) let's just like go back. (laughs) You see, I'm stressed out about this. The outfit was so upsetting to me. It, (sighs) Like a polo shirt style, but blue graphic print and like a crescent moon on the back It and, and wide leg pants. Like it's giving, oof, gosh, maybe like 1997 Raver or um, just avid Yu-Gi-Oh card collector. Like, you know, those guys that were like the nerdy anime dudes that had those button down t-shirts that had like... Goku or whoever on the on the shirt like that's that's what is happening here um but things are gonna get a lot more upsetting um so they pump it over to these two guys named the UFO bros they have a podcast that they call the probe cast by the UFO bros I will never plug them again um apparently their qualifications for being UFO experts are the fact that they've done this like basic bitch tour of UFO sightings like area 51 or like the back gate of area 51 and um, needles, California, I guess something's happened there. The UFO bros are biological brothers. They're kind of like if like Joel and Benji Madden's life went real, real different. I don't think they're twins, but you know what I mean? Everyone meets up at this location called Tahunga Canyon because apparently in 1953, there was this, like, lesbian couple that was out at this cabin in the canyon, and they claim that they had taken up, they'd been taken up by this, like, Saturn-like ship, alien ship. 
They claimed that they had medical experiments done to them. And when they back, got back to the cabin, it two hours had gone by. Um, one of them was, like, willing to, like, kick it with the aliens. The other one, not so much. But then she was starting to feel, like, pretty comfortable with them. So she got into it. Um, and then they... <laughs> this is what killed me. <laughs> After these aliens did their experiments, they're back in the cabin and the aliens apparently tell them just like, forget this whole thing. Like, ladies, just pretend this never happened. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They then like kind of stuffed those memories down until they did something called like regressive hypnotherapy and all those memories just magically came back. So because... These lesbians saw some blue light outside and their dogs were barking 60 years ago. Everybody's joining in this exact same spot where the cabin was to see if there's just something in the sky. Because apparently this is a hotbed for alien abductions. Now, again, the only example that they've given for this alleged hotbed of activity is one time in 1953. So... Okay, here we go. Already scraping the bottom of the barrel, and we're maybe six minutes into episode one of four. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So the UFO bros set these, like, high-res cameras up, and Demi spots something that's, like, You know, when you're looking at the sky, you're seeing these perfectly circular dots. But there's one kind of oblong-shaped object in the sky. Everybody freaks out. Everyone. Um, Then, as they're looking at it, trying to check out, like, suddenly something on the left side of the screen starts moving, like, very quickly down the, you know, from north to south, right? Like I said, everybody freaks out. Her sister Dallas, excuse me, their sister Dallas starts getting emotional. Reasons unknown, but there were tears shed, actual tears. So after that, (laughs) Demi then goes to, well, Demi and Dallas and Matt then go to Glendale, California, and they meet up with a a lady named Geraldine who says that they um, were abducted by aliens. Apparently not once, but apparently this has been happening, Geraldine's entire life Geraldine is a attractive middle-aged woman she um has or had I think she was a little bit vague about that a very successful uh party planning business a fiance or a husband but this her partner left her because of her um just insistence that she had been adopted by aliens so peep this, y'all. Geraldine says that her first experience was at the age of five. She was in her room at night. There was a very bright light that came through the bedroom window. And then she recalls being gone from 8 to 11 p.m. A, f- Let me, a five-year-old 
says that she can distinctly recall being gone for three hours. Now, I don't have children, but, ma'am, okay, okay, let's hear some more. So then she says that when she was 16, she became pregnant, even though she was a virgin. This was a, you know, move over, Mary, Geraldine is here. So she went to the doctor. The doctor told her that she had had several ovarian cysts, but that her womb looked like she had gone through several pregnancies and miscarriages. Now, again, she says that she was a virgin at this time. Demi then says that they also had ovarian cysts at 15. They had to go on birth control despite not being sexually active as well. And so Demi now thinks that they may have been impregnated by an alien. This is wild, I guess. So Geraldine goes on to claim that she would have pregnancies and miscarriages despite not having a sexual partner, that this like continued for her adult life, right? And the doctors thought that maybe she was having hysterical pregnancies, But no, apparently, nevertheless, Geraldine persisted. She says that one day she had a conscious uh, situation. Like, you know, usually when you're being uh, abducted or you're having these um, moments, (laughs) moments in time with the aliens, you're asleep. But she says that this was the first time that she was actually conscious. And then she, in this conscious meeting with the aliens, she met her, what she calls, hybrid children. So in a confessional, Demi basically says that they only believe or that they're respecting what Geraldine is saying because they've also said things that people think is weird as fuck. And, you know, it's hard to have people take you seriously when you say that you've been sucked up and abducted. So Debbie's trying to respect what's happening here. Um, but we're also making a TV show. So like, keep talking girl. Um, so (laughs) here we go. Uh, Geraldine says that the first kid that she met, her first hybrid child was very frail had like translucent kind of grayish skin that their eyes were so big that the pupils alone were the same size as our human entire ocular socket and that the color of the eyes were indescribable because she feels like they're colors that don't really exist for us um then Geraldine pulled out some paintings that she did some nice little watercolors of all of her children um (laughs) The first one looked kind of like Judge Judy. Um, there was one that looked like Ann Coulter. Um, there was a, a boy. Uh, Geraldine says that the kids were about fifth, six feet tall, had thin bodies, big heads, big eyes, hair that's not quite hair, but not human hair, but a hair-like substance. Geraldine goes on to say that she met four of her kids, but then she had eight hybridizations and that those eight hybridizations actually resulted in 24 children. So things really ratchet up very quickly. She says that she's only met four of the 24. Um, I don't know if this is like a, I don't know, future kind of thing. I don't know. So after our just incredible meeting with Geraldine, Demi decides to go to this regressive hypnosis, regressive hypnosis therapy. And in order to prepare 
Matthew and Dallas start uh, showing Demi clips from a couple who did the regressive therapy in the 60s. I think their names were Bill and Betty, something like that. It was an alliterative situation. Alliterative situation. So <laughs> they're listening to these clips of Bill and Betty just like crying, screaming, talking about how they don't want to have a needle in their navel. Uh, Bill wants to get a gun to save his wife and you know, they're shocked. Demi's response is, well, I'm here for a good time, not a long time, so let's strap in and do it. After that, they go to an alien support group for experiencers to talk about what happened to them. The support group talks about how one of them had five miscarriages and four of the fetuses were taken. One would get tickled by the aliens as a toddler. Um, they would, their mom would find them laughing in the middle of the night when they were two years old. Uh, a whole thing. So I, I spotted somebody in this support group that I think may be uh, somebody in the entertainment industry. If you've seen this, I don't want to expose them because here's the thing. Um, I have seen this person on a lot of podcasts <laughs> And they seem to have a burgeon, uh, like a, not burgeoning, like a pretty solid uh, career. And um, I just, I recognize them and uh, I just have a lot of questions, y'all. <laughs> After this support group, everybody leaves, including Matt and Dallas. So they have like the setup situation where Demi can do their own thing with the hypnotherapist separately. And then Matt and Dallas are going to watch um, what's happening from cameras like a punked kind of thing, right? So Demi gets into this black leather recliner and a nice little cozy blanket in the middle of this random church in California and gets to work with this hypnotherapist. So they put this like brain scanning thing on Demi's head. Uh, so Matt and, and Dallas can watch that as well. So they start something called aggressive relaxation, which really perked my ears up. Like, I, I would like that. I would love to know more about that. Uh, mostly just seemed to involve heavy breathing. I don't know. Um, so Demi takes some deep breaths and then they get Demi to like pull back the calendar in your mind and just flip, flip, flip back to October, 2020 when they had this experience in Joshua tree. And Demi says that they can picture Three beings in their mind that are not human-like. Well, they're they're kind of human-y, but not so much. They have humanoid features, meaning two arms, two legs, and a torso. But that's sort of where the comparisons end. Demi says that they feel really happy and excited, but also nervous. And that they're, like, around them right now. So... Apparently what happened is that these creatures asked Demi to come with them. Next thing they know, they're hovering above space. And then they take it up a little bit further. And then they ask Demi, do you want to see our planet? And Demi said, yes. So they go to this planet. I'm picturing like um, Doja Cat's latest album cover because Demi says that it's like pink and purple and kind of lavender and shades of and like kind of gaseous matter all around and then it just seemed really pretty um maybe it was doja cat <laughs> maybe they met doja cat so 
then Demi says that these three entities are always around and watching and protecting them from themselves. So the hypnotherapist asked Demi if this is just part one of a journey of steps that they need to be taking with this, these three entities. And Demi says, yes. And then the hypnotherapist asks what they should call these creatures. And Demi says the Jonas brothers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Demi says, um, they're my light doctors, but like really maybe they are the Jonas brothers, you know, like three entities that don't quite look human, like, but are of humanoid features and they're nice and Demi seems to enjoy being around them like maybe this is like a Camp Rock 4 situation maybe that's really what the universe is providing for Demi I just think like if anybody wants to tell Demi um you know just put it out there I think we could I think maybe I found something we're at a breakthrough here um Demi is like loving this once they get out of this hypno hypnosis um the hypnotherapist is like, wow, your skin's really glowing. You seem so happy. Demi's saying she feels a lot of energy. And they seem pretty stoked about what happened. That was episode one, you guys. I, whew, I don't know if I can journey into the next three episodes. And this is like famous last words for me. Like I always say, like when Sex Life season one came out, you guys know, by the way, season two is coming. Don't, so gird your loins for that one um when sex life came out i'm like god this is so horrible and i can't believe what i'm watching i hate it i hate it i hate it so much um next episode please so i more than likely will be as soon as i finish recording this going into episode two i have to see the whole reason why i watch this by the way is because <laughs> i saw a headline from the huffington post that said that demi had <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> The Demi had sung their hit song Skyscraper in hopes of calming a mysterious being known as Carmen on the new UFO series. So, wow. I, I gotta get my eyes on that for sure. Um, ooh, if you guys have Peacock and you have literally nothing else to do, if you want to like light up a joint and, and check this out, I can't say that I highly recommend it, but it's something that you can do. It's something that you can do for sure. Ooh, Lord. Okay. With that, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> thank me for speaking. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would be incredibly appreciative. Hop on over to my Patreon, if you will. I'm at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. Um, right now, what am I doing? A two-part series on Tinsley Mortimer. Thank you. Um, yeah, check it out. Okay, you guys. Love you.